nervous when Colin says to me, uh, could you give a Dharma talk? Let's get you on the schedule. Uh, Colin often gives Dharma talks. Sometimes we have a recorded talk. Sometimes we have guest speakers, and then some of us here give talks. So that always strikes fear in my heart. What should I choose to talk about? Oh, there's lots of agonizing over that. I'm afraid that what I say will be wrong in the Buddhist sense, or that you won't, I won't make any connection with you, won't make any sense, you won't like what I have to say. Um, so that's, that's part of where I am this morning. And then driving over here, I was worried somebody might hit me, hit my car, run a red light. Um, I have so many fears. I worry about getting old and frail. I worry about getting sick. I worry that this spot that's coming on my nose is another cancer that I'll have to have taken off. I worry that when I watch Jeopardy now, I can't come up with the answers. I knew that stuff. I knew a lot of it. But my mind's just not working. So maybe I'm on the path of dementia. Uh, I worry that there may be some other cancer or something in my body that I don't know about because there's a lot going on in my body. Most of what I have going on in my body I have no idea about. That's pretty scary. Um, I worry that something could happen to my loved ones or to my friends, or to any of you. I worry that people won't like me or respect me if they don't like what I say or do. I worry that uh, the love I have will go away, that I won't be liked, that I won't get what I want, that I'll lose what I have. And these days I worry that I could be shot in a movie theater, at a school, or at a place of worship. So all this anxiety and nervousness and worry and dread, it's all fear. It's all, to me, sort of on a sliding scale of fear. Some of it's small anxieties, some of it's the really big stuff, like I'm afraid of dying because I, when I'm dead, I won't care. I don't think, but the dying part, painful. It's probably going to be very painful, could be very lonely. So fear is what <laughs> I'd like to talk about today. Um, when I first started meditation practice, it was a, an evening class at Rice University. And it was sort of a survey of different kinds of meditation taught by one of the uh, professors on the religion staff. And the first thing that I could remember that we did was a sort of centering exercise to get us prepared for meditation, where we would just take our hands, for example, and just kind of move our hands so that we could focus all of our attention, attention on our hands and what we were feeling in our hands. We'd move it to our whole arm. And when you focus like that, you start to realize that you can focus on it and, and see exactly what you're feeling in that part of your body. So then you move on to your shoulders and your neck, which of course usually have some kind of tension in them, your back. So eventually you're just really kind of monitoring your whole body to see 
what you're feeling and if you can kind of relax it a little bit. Well, this to me was like having a new toy because it felt really good. I had never done this before. I'd never heard of it. So I would, I would while I was driving, I would say, okay, you know, where's the tension in my body? And I'd find it and I'd relax it. Or if I was at work and I had answered the phone or had a difficult conversation with somebody, uh, I'd just take a moment to just scan my body. You know, how am I feeling? Can I kind of relax it a little bit? Felt great. But what I learned from this exercise was how much tension there was in my body all day, every day. And it was mostly based in fear, stress, anxiety, different degrees of fear. So this was a big awakening for me. I would say that this was the first benefit that I saw from my meditation practice. So if I look at what fear really is, usually it's a reaction to something that I perceive as a threat or a loss of my control. And in some reading I did, I found that there are two different kinds of fear, according to one expert. One is biochemical, and it's the evolutionary development that helps us to survive. It's what tells us, don't pick up that rattlesnake, because you could die. So when we have this biochemical fear, uh, we start sweating, our adrenaline starts pumping, our heart starts speeding up. And it's just a natural reaction that probably every living being that wants to survive will have. But then beyond that kind of reaction that, that we really have no control over or very little control over, there are emotional fears which are very personal according to each one of us. Uh, some of them are based on our past experiences or trauma that we've had what uh, kind of phobias we have. Like if you're afraid of heights, that's something that just kind of kicks in individually. Some people have it, some people don't. Um, and uh, if we feel that there's a lack of control, you know, more than we realize, we're trying to control what happens around us every day. And when that is threatened, or we feel that we can't control it, uh, fear comes up, or at least some kind of anxiety. And how each of us deals with fear is different. Some people run from it, try to uh, put a brave face on and tamp it down. We may use alcohol or drugs to, to mask it. And then there are the adrenaline junkies who jump out of airplanes and go to scary movies and confront some kind of fear and feel compelled to do that. And maybe they kind of get over their fear and they're kind of anesthetized to it. But whatever kind of fear it is, I think we can safely say that fear is universal for every living being, and it's a form of suffering. It's a kind of aversion because fear is reacting against something you don't want or don't like, that you want to stay away from. Um, I came across a quote from Krishnamurti and I really don't know anything about Krishnamurti, but I thought this was, this was what I felt. He said, we are boiling with fear all the time. 
all the time. If you really pay attention to it during the day, you realize there are not very many moments when you're away from fear or it's away from you. And when you become fearful, it can leave, it's, it's like a domino effect sometimes where you don't want to be afraid and you're angry that you're afraid or you get depressed about it or you get discouraged because just it's just too much of a, of a, a block. You can't get past it. And there are two things that I've noticed about my fears when I concentrate on them. One is that it's usually all about me. Now when I say I worry about my loved ones, I'm afraid something might happen to them, well, it's really mostly because I don't want something to happen to them that I have to deal with, if I'm really honest about it. Um, so it's about me, and there is a quote from uh, an article that I found online in Buddhism Now. It's called Fear and Suffering by Corrado Pensa. He says, uh, The self-interest in our life is the cause of fear. This sense of me and my concerns, my happiness, my success, my failures, my achievements. Where there is self-interest, there must be fear and all the consequences of fear. Sense of me and my concerns, my happiness, my failures, my achievements. Boy, what a heavy burden we all carry with this in our minds, yes? It's, I get tired just thinking about it. Um, the other thing that I've noticed about my fears is that it's usually about things that are not happening right now. It's about, it's based in something that's happened to me in the past that I didn't like or that had bad consequences for me, or it's about something that might happen in the future. That's the big one for me. Oh, this recipe that I'm doing today may not come out right. Well, yeah, but it may come out great. I get anxiety. You know, what am I going to feed my husband if this comes out really bad? Um, so that's the two things. It's about me, and it's, it's not happening right now. It's happening in the future. So I could simply say, well, you know, if that's the case, then just get over it. Um, just don't worry about it. You know, you're just being a wuss. Um, just, just get brave. Well, you can try that for a while, but I think that until we really uh, look at our fears and get close to them, it, that's probably not going to work very well. When it comes to Buddhism, there is actually a sutra that deals with fears. See, my hand is still shaking. I'm still nervous. There is a sutta called the Bala Sutta that lists five fears of a worldly person. The first is livelihood or fear of poverty, that we won't have enough money to live on or enough uh, resources to live. The second is disrepute or a loss of reputation and social standing. Um, you know, think of, a, of if you have, would have, might have a fear of becoming homeless. Um, or that you would be cast out of society for one reason or another. Or looked down upon 
that's a fear. We would lose all of our social contact. Public speaking is another fear that the, that's actually mentioned by the Buddha. Death, that's the big one, isn't it? I think if you ask most people what they're afraid of, it would be death or dying. Because death means that you're not permanent, that you cease to be, that, that self that you cling so hard to is gone. And the last is a bad destiny or rebirth. So that's bad karma. And if you read about karma and about how wholesome acts bring good and unwholesome acts bring bad, then if you think you had a burden before, then you really have a burden. <laughs> so those are the, the five things that the Buddha actually mentioned that have to do with fear. But he also listed four powers to overcome the five fears. And these are the powers of a bodhisattva. Not a worldly person, but someone who actually studies the Dharma and practices. The first is wisdom. Second is energy. The third is blamelessness. And the fourth is conciliation. And I'm not going to go into these. I, I would encourage everybody, if you are interested in this topic, just Google Zen practice and fear, and you'll find all kinds of information. And I would encourage you to do that. Um, there are some comments on these four powers that I came across, so I could use that. So, the, um, as relates to Buddhism, there, if you haven't heard of this, I'll explain a bit. We have to say that there are three marks of existence that are three characteristics of all existence and all beings. Impermanence is the first, that whatever comes into being will pass away, including us. The second is suffering, the existence of suffering, which is the basis of the Four Noble Truths in Buddhism, that suffering exists, where suffering comes from, the path to lead away from suffering, and the end of suffering. And the third mark of existence is non-self. Non-self means that we have a self, but it's, as the Dalai Lama said, you have a self, but it's not what you think it is. Um, physical body, uh, consciousness, these are not what we think that they are. We are, we are manifestations, we are the sum of our experiences, but we don't have an intrinsic self that we can point to and say, ah, that is Yoshin, that is Karen. It's everything together. So these marks of existence are painful. They're hard to face. I mean, who wants to, to think every day, okay, I'm going to die, so here's what I do now. Um, it sounds pretty depressing. <coughs> And our, the way our minds work makes us think that we are real and permanent. Um, so we don't, we can't, it's very difficult without practicing some sort of uh, spiritual practice to see the truth of impermanence, suffering, and non-self. 
So in a sense, Zen takes us exactly where we don't want to go. And sometimes this will come up, I think, when you're on your cushion. Um, sometimes it's a, it's a good insight that comes up, and sometimes it's something that's pretty frightening. So in our practice, we're asked to open ourselves to all of the things that underlie all of our fears and anxieties. That's why we really have to face our fears. So what I really want to talk about most today is how we practice with fear. I don't want to just say, okay, here it is. It's pretty depressing. It's pretty scary. Good luck. Um, as I said, in the, the materials that I read, there are a number of good suggestions. And the first is simply to practice mindfulness. If we are focused on the present moment instead of the past, where some of our fears come from, or the future, where we see a lot of bad things happening, perhaps, scary things, then we, um, we're just grounded in the present, present time. And if fear does come up in the present moment, then we can just name it. I don't know if anybody has ever heard of labeling practice before. I found this a very helpful thing when I first started meditating. When fear comes up, you, you don't get caught up in the story of it. Oh, I'm afraid because I was bitten by a dog when I was three years old and the whole thing, you know, reliving it. You just say, oh, there's fear. Fear is there. I can, I can feel it. And where do you feel it in your body? Maybe you feel it around your heart, in your stomach. You can feel your heart beating faster. Uh, you might feel it in the tension in your shoulders and your neck. And you can just focus on that, that feeling and that labeling and watch what happens to it. And you, I think you may find that it's like releasing a helium-filled balloon into the sky. You know, the balloon, the fear, the feeling just goes up and it just fades away somewhere. And then, of course, another balloon comes up, and it's the same thing. Just name it, whatever it is, and watch it pass. So once uh, that balloon goes away, that little bubble, then you can come back to your breath and to mindfulness. Another method of practicing with fear is meta-practice. Meta is loving-kindness. And there are many, many sources for practicing metta or loving-kindness for yourself, for others. Um, when you do that, you're not focusing on your fear anymore. You're practicing on something good that you can generate, a good state of mind. A couple of weeks ago, we had a talk by Pema Chodron that talked about um, practicing, learning to practice compassion. And I hope I get this right, but my memory of the talk was uh, the first, she had three methods, and the first was to focus on yourself, to develop compassion for yourself. The second was to, um, she used the the idea of a ferry boat, where you're on a ferry boat and you're going from this side of the shore where there's suffering 
to the other side where there's liberation. And uh, the second uh, point she made was be on the ferry boat with others. In other words, it's not just you going across to liberation, to enlightenment. You're going with other people. And one way to do that is to realize that the fears that you have are the fears that they have. So you're turning that light of looking inward and seeing your own fears, you're turning it out and realizing that others share many of those same fears. And they have others that you don't even have. So... Uh, Compassion practice, I think, too, is a very good way of uh, dealing with our fears. Have compassion for yourself and for others in their fears. One uh, writer suggested that we begin with small fears and learn how to work with them and then turn our attention to bigger fears. Um, you can look at, when a fear comes up, something small that you can you feel like you can handle. Look how it works. Look what triggers it. Uh, look how it develops. Look how you get attached to the story of, of, how, of what's going on. Um, for example, if, uh, if I'm worried about getting sick. Well, I'm getting sick because... When it comes right down to it, I don't really know everything that's going on in my body. I don't know where the germs are out there. I don't know who I'm interacting with that might be ill, who might give me something. What about this coronavirus, you know? Um, so if I can, I can uh, actually meditate on my body and what I really know about it and what I can control about it. There's not a lot that I can control, but I can eat well, I can get enough sleep, I can avoid junk food, too much salt, too much sugar. I can be realistic about what I do know and accept that I can't do everything. So it's not just this acceptance, it's not just saying, hey, you know, whatever. If I get sick, I get sick. I'll just stay home for a few days. It's a, a very active kind of acceptance to do what we can. If we can get a plan, then the fears are mitigated, at least to some extent, I hope. We can take refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Uh, do the hard work of coming to sit often. Uh, chew over those, uh, those strange passages in these sutras, like uh, in the Heart Sutra that we chanted today. There's a passage that says, with nothing to attain, a bodhisattva relies on prajna paramita. And without attainment, there is no fear. No fear. Somewhere in that sutra, there's a meaning for no fear. If you find it, please let me know what it is, because I don't understand it. But um, I can try. I can expose myself to these teachings, find out where our craving and aversion come from, understand what impermanence, non-self are, study the precepts, the Buddhist precepts that are guideposts to our, how we can function in the world with, with bringing less suffering to ourselves and others. 
So as our understandings change and as we gain some insight into these teachings, uh, we may begin to feel less fear. And as we're practicing with fear, we're also cultivating a kind of fearlessness. And this is not the kind of fearlessness that makes you think, oh, I really can pick up that rattlesnake and it's not going to hurt me. That's not fearlessness. That's just foolishness. But there is a, a fearlessness in the Buddhist sense that says that comes from being more realistic about who we are and what we are in the world. Um, Susan Davidson has a, a short essay on the Huffington Post, I think, which I found rather helpful. And she says that the antidote to fear is not denial or bravery, but overcoming the source of fear. And that true fearlessness is intimacy with fear, getting to know it, instead of pushing it away or being afraid of it. I also found this book by Thich Nhat Hanh to be helpful. I'm going to donate it to the library here. And he, there's another online source of Thich Nhat Hanh's. Uh, it's a complete book. It's called uh, No Death, No Fear. And um, I just found it yesterday afternoon, so I haven't read the whole thing. But um, I think there's a lot of good information in it. Obviously, it's dealing with impermanence and fear of death. And if, uh, if you spend enough time, I guess, thinking about what death really is, then you have less fear of it. Um, so that's really what I have today. I was hoping to find a really cool Zen poem on uh, fear or fearlessness, but I failed. <laughs> so if anyone finds a good poem, maybe Rumi has a good saying on fear or fearlessness. I would love to hear it, but I'm sorry. So I thank you very much for your attention. Does anyone have any questions?